The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast in is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. It is currently Sunday afternoon, January 8th, which means we have a couple of tournaments to preview in Auckland and Adelaide, too. But before we get into any of those outrights with the future previews, do want to recap what happened on uh, early, early Sunday morning. And to recap our plays from the last episode for Adelaide 1 with that final Overall, tennis fans had a great time if you watched the match because it was a phenomenal match. Went three sets, was an absolute war, but Djokovic was a little bit too much at the end and one in three. As for us, we went from 4-0 to 4-2 because our picks were awful. We had the under eight and a half games for a team total on Corda, and that wasn't even close. He won seven games in the first set. And then we also had the under 20 and a half games, and that was not close because each of the first two sets went to tie break. So overall, not close, and hopefully we'll snap back on track here for the Sunday picks. But I can't really, uh, yeah, I, I can't really put into words how good that match actually was because Corda gave Djokovic all he could handle and more. The first set was wild. They were on serve the entire time. Then Corda got a break, and he was serving for the actual set then he was up 40 love while serving for the set then he choked it then Djokovic had a couple of chances there then the tie break happened and you had a bunch of set points for both players I think Korda had seven or eight set points before he finally converted and you ended up seeing Korda win the first set second set was competitive as well but Djokovic really dominated the tie break as he won that comfortably. And then the third set was a lot of fun. You had Korda, who had a couple of breakpoint chances there against Djokovic. Djokovic ended up holding them off. And then you ended up, it might have been one breakpoint chance, actually. But Djokovic eventually applied too much pressure. And you saw Korda blink when he had a chance to serve to stay at uh, potentially making it 5-5. Instead, he ended up blowing it and Djokovic won it's warm in Australia, so cash the outright. We won the minus 135, which was nice. I can't, once again, take a victory lap for it because we took arguably the greatest player of all time, but we still made money, and then we kind of gave it right back for the final. I thought Djokovic would win comfortably. Korda looked really good. The serving was really impressive for Korda, and I know that he only ended up successfully... Uh, hitting about 60% of his first serves in play. However, he did have about 15 aces. So Corda did a good job of applying pressure, and he did a good job of serving out of some tough holes. Uh, anytime you're behind a love 15 or 15-30 with Djokovic is never easy, but Corda did a good job of holding his own, and you ended up seeing a very entertaining match. As a result, it took about three hours, and if you did not see it, check out the highlights. But either way, we did win an outright, for the first tournament of the year. We didn't win one with Pune, but still, one out of two for outrights, not bad. And we will look for a sweep to get back on track for the actual lock and dog picks here on Sunday. But as I said before, we have two tournaments to go through. We have the uh, Sunday uh, tournament 
uh, in Auckland, New Zealand, as well as Adelaide Part 2 in Australia. So we're going to start off with the Auckland tournament because that does start technically about an hour and a half before Adelaide does. Before we get into any of the previews and the draw breakdown, outrights, etc., do you want to take a quick word from our sponsors? WinBet is the official online sports book of the SportsCam Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100 and get $100. Limit the state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportscampodcast.com slash WinBet so they know we sent you. The sportscampodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer subject to change term, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping what happened in the early hours of Sunday with that insane Djokovic quarter match. Now it's time to get into the actual meat and potatoes of this episode, the futures preview of both the Auckland tournament and the Adelaide 2 tournament. So starting off with Auckland, do want to go through the recent winners and the overall history of this event. A long-time event. It's been around since 1956, and they have not had this event in each of the last two years because of COVID. So the last uh, winner, the most recent winner, is Umber who ended up beating Benoit Pair in three sets in 2020. It might tell you how weak the actual field was because you had Benoit Pair in a final, but we're not going to roast him too hard. Uh, besides that, you had Sandgren, who won in 2019 against Nori. You had Agut, who won in 2018. You had Saka, who won in 2017. Batista Agut, who won in 2016. Vesely in 2015. Isner in 2014. And Isner in 2010. You had Ferrer in the three years in between. But... To transition over to the actual outright odds, there are a couple of former winners here. Most notably, you have Umber and Isner. Uh, Rude is currently the favorite at plus 300. Nori is plus 400. Isner is 9 to 1. Brooksby is 11 to 1. Schwartzman 12 to 1. Bublik is 14 to 1. Umber is 16 to 1. Guffin 16 to 1. Manorino 18 to 1. Gasquet 20 to 1. Giron 20 to 1. Sarundolo 22 to 1, and you get the point. A lot of long shots after that, but uh, there, as I said before, there are a couple of winners here. So to go through the actual draw here in Auckland, starting off with Rude, his draw overall is not bad. I mean, he might have to run into Isner at some point in the quarters, and I think he's obviously the better player than Isner. The problem is with the speed of the hard courts in Australia and the fact that Isner is a serve bot. I do wonder if Rude will actually be able to get into Isner service games and if you will see a couple of tie breaks. And if that happens, you might have uh, just really an unpredictable match. So I think that Rude is definitely worthy of being the favorite because he's a top three player in the world. However, I do have to question if I actually think he's going to make a serious run here of Isner's maybe live because Isner's won this tournament twice before. Now, I will admit he's now past his prime. Then again, when you are only known for your serving, I don't really know if you can really have much of a prime in a post-prime because you're still going to be serving up 20-plus aces every time. But I do think at the end of the day, you will see Rude probably struggle at some point. And I do think at 3-1, to one, I'm not exactly interested. Now, Nori is potentially interesting because he was a runner-up in this event a couple years ago. And 
he is a fringe top 10 player. The issue I have with him, of course, is the serve, which is not strong enough. But the one area that he will have an advantage in is cardio. And Nori is one of the fittest players on tour, which I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. And I do think in Australia, with the climate and the overall long potential matches that might ensue, I do think his body can hold up well in these circumstances. Now, based on recent form, you could argue Nori shouldn't be this price, and I can understand where you're coming from because I do think that this price might seem a little bit short at 4-1. to one. To go through the actual draw, though, you have a pretty decent draw for Nori. Uh, he has a bye followed by a matchup against qualifiers, then either Manorino, Wolf, Giron or Martinez. If I had to pick out of any of those guys, probably Wolf, if I had to guess. But you're looking at the bottom half of the bracket, too, and it's really not bad. Uh, I mean, you're looking around, and there's really not many guys that scare you here. You got Baez, uh, Shelton, Hallis, Mulcan, Brooksby, and Fognini. Probably, if I had to guess, Brooksby, if I had to assume who he would be facing off in the quarters against. Um, yeah, I don't really, I mean, not in the quarter, sorry, potentially in the semis. But yeah, I don't really see many guys that scare you here. So I, I think that you're probably looking at Nori as the quote-unquote favorite that I would be tempted by. I think Rude could have a bit of a problem against uh, Isner based on matchup and the overall speed of the hard courts. But I do think with Nori being a very consistent and steady rallier in a massive half of the bracket with similar like-minded players, I do think that there might be some value on Nori at four to one. So I guess if I had to actually pick my favorite quote unquote, I would pick Nori. I think I am going to live in that region though, with Nori and Brooksby and Isner being my three outrights. I think that you're looking at Isner who's won it twice before Yes, you can argue about him being past his prime first tournament of 2023. I understand those concerns, but I do think with a two-time winner who can really excel with the speed of these courts, I think is definitely worth a look. I'm tempted maybe by Bublik, but I don't really know if I trust him because he's still a head case, and we know Bublik is not afraid to punt matches, and I think that could be a problem. But I do think at the end of the day, uh, you might be looking at a spot where you might have some Americans make deep runs if Isner is able to upset Rude and if Brooksby is able to take care of business in his section. But uh, you could argue that Bublik as well might have an interesting matchup there against either Isner or Rude. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the argument is you let Isner and Rude kill each other and you get Bublik on the other side of that uh, little half and then you can maybe get a decent matchup. But I don't know if I trust Bublik here. He's too much of a head case for me. I think I'm going to stay away from him, but I do expect him to make a decent run. Uh, interesting matchup, though, in the second round, potentially, if he and Umber end up winning, because you might get him against Umber, the, the uh, defending champion, in the second round. But I think I'm just going to go with the three that I mentioned. I'm going to go with Nori at 4-1. to one. I'm going to go with Brooksby at... 11 to 1. I like the draw a lot with Brooksby. I think Brooksby and Nori should go against each other in the semis. And then you're probably going to get one guy in the final. And then for the last one, you have, uh, yeah, I mentioned uh, Nori, Isner, and Brooksby. So besides that, any long shots that I'm tempted by? Uh, I mean, Bublik, I mentioned at 14 to 1, but eh, I don't feel great about it. How else gave Djokovic a run for his money? Does that mean anything? Not really. I don't think that matters too much. Um, 
Wolf at 33 to one. I could maybe be talked into. Uh, I think Wolf is a very good player. We saw him really excel in the last couple of months there in the ATP tour. 33 to one. I can be persuaded into that. I think Wolf is a good enough player to potentially surprise some people. He's got an explosive forehand, pretty good serve. He's in the Nori section, which I mentioned being the potential underdog. Uh, I'd say spot that you want to take because I just see a pretty weak field there or a yeah, pretty weak field in the bottom compared to the top. And I do think you'll end up seeing maybe a Cinderella or two sneak through the, uh, the actual cracks, but yeah, for a long shot, give me Wolf at 33 to one. I think he's a good enough player to make a run here. So I will go with him as well. So my four outrights for Auckland, once again, are going to be Nori, at four to one, I'm going to take Isner at nine to one. I'm going to take Brooksby at eleven to one, and I will take Wolf as my serious long shot at thirty-three to one. Now, moving on to Adelaide two, this field I'm going to tell you right now is pretty weak. But to go through the actual favorites, you have Rublev at plus two twenty-five. You have Agut at four to one. You have uh, Krenjabusta at five to one. Kakanov at seven to one. Nakashima at nine to one. Tommy Paul. At 14 to 1, Kekmanovic at 14 to 1, Rusevori at 14 to 1, Evans at 14 to 1, Kokonangas at 16 to 1, and Draper at 16 to 1. Once again, I mentioned a lot of guys in either the uh, like 15 to 1 range downward because that tells you how open this field is. And the fact that you're looking at the likes of Rublev as the favorite despite losing his first match of 2023 against Agut, I think is pretty telling. And I'm not going to pick Rublev, just straight up. I faded him in the match he lost against Agut, uh, but I do think when you're looking at the actual draw and the overall consistency of the players of, involved, I just have questions about Rublev. And it's in Australia. He might have to go back-to-back matches against Australian guys. He's going to be facing off against an Australian in the second round because he has a bye, but he's facing off against Kokonakis or Papyron. Uh, Papyron had a nice win there against Felix in the last tournament, but I do think that Rublev should get through there. Then most likely, Kubler or Kekmanovic. No offense to Edmund. I like him as a player, but he's just not the same guy post-injury, and I hope he ends up uh, getting back on track, but I think he's far away from that. He might have to face off against the Goot again. So he might get the immediate uh, rematch there uh, in the uh, semis, which I think would be fascinating. Uh, that is a pretty interesting draw, though, for a Goot. Well, really, and Rublev. The fact that you have the two favorites in the same section, I think, is extremely odd. And that's something you don't see that often. But to go through the rest of the actual uh, quarter and half of the draw... You still have Cressy and Bonzi. You have Ramos Vanolas on hard court, so I don't care about him. You have Nakashima against Fakina, and that's going to wrap it up for the half. As for the other half, you're looking at a pretty solid overall field. Now, Karenyabusta is the favorite in the other half, which is warranted. I think you're going to see something up for grabs. Now, Karenyabusta is a very, very solid player, and he had that dream run last year in... Montreal, I believe, but you're still looking at his flaws and the serve is inconsistent. He also has some injury issues in the past, so I'm not going to pick Karenyabusta. I think you'll end up seeing somebody in probably the 15 to 1 range or so make a decent run to potentially make it to a final here, but it's going to segue us into the actual outrights that I do like uh, going through the 
First of all, I'm going to start off with the favorites. I'm not interested in Rublev or Batista Agut. I think it's crazy that both of them are 4-1 to one or lower, and they might have to face off against each other in the semis. I think that's absurd. So I'm not going to bother with them. Batista, uh, not Batista, sorry. So Batista Agut, I'm not going to pick. Rublev, I'm not going to pick. Karenia Busta, I'm not going to pick as well. Uh, Nakashima, I've given out time and time again on the show, and he ended up coming through for us in the next-gen finals as he won that whole tournament which we picked him to and he did not lose a match in that entire event but to look at the actual draw for nakashima it is an interesting one because he's going to have to face off against fakina in the first round fakina is not a good hardcore player but he's definitely competitive and i think that match could turn into something interesting then he basically has a bye in the second round he's got ramos finolos or a qualifier and then either batista agut or cressy or Bonzi, but I'll get into that match in a little while and why I'm potentially fading Bonzi. But either way, I think Nakashima's got a decent path. The problem is, once again, he'd have to face off against Batista Agut and then Rublev. So I think I'm out on Nakashima. You know I like him. You know I'll give him out all the time for the value. But unfortunately, I don't think the value is present with this draw in this event. So I'm going to pass on Nakashima, which brings me to the bottom of the draw. I will take Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul is another guy who I've taken time and time again. Unfortunately, he has not gotten there for us. It is a very competitive draw, though. He has a qualifier in round one. I'm hoping Sonigo and Draper kill each other, and then you're going to have a tired opponent against him in the second round. That Draper-Paul match could be really, really good, and I feel like that actually might scare me off now that I think about it from Paul because I think those guys might really just go at it. And I think that could be a problem. Uh, am I going to pass on Paul here? Paul's a very fit player. I think he could perform well. Uh, do I really want to? Uh, you know what? No, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Paul at 14 to 1. Uh, I might consider maybe taking a stance as well with Draper at 16 to 1. I don't think I will though. I just think that Draper having to face Sonigo and then Evans in the first two rounds is too much to ask for. At least Evans is not sorry, sorry, not Evans. He's going to have to face off against uh Paul and Sonigo in the first two rounds. I just think that's too much to ask. I think at the end of the day you're going to end up seeing a pretty c competitive match no matter how you slice it, but at least you're looking at Paul as a qualifier in round one, so that counts for something. So that's good enough for me. As for the other guys I'm tempted by, I want to make a case for Cressy at like 30-something to one, but I can't do it because, once again, he's going to face off against probably Batista Agut and then face off against Rublev. I'm not interested. So I think I'm just going to only stick with the bottom piece. Do I want to take Kakanov? Because Kakanov is a guy who I don't trust... But I do like the overall draw or the overall, yeah, really just draw that he has. And I think that seven to one, though, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Instead, I think I'm going to go with a couple of long shots and I'm going to hope. So I'm going to go with Husor, who is another guy that I really like from last year. He's 30 to one. I think Husor's unique serve and volley on occasion with his just diversity with the serve, I think could give people problems. And I do think that his game should translate well to the fast surface in Australia. So I will go with Husor at 30 to one as a long shot. Uh, besides that, who else do I want to make a case for? 
Um, I'm kind of all over the place, you can tell, for this event. I will take Dan Evans at 14 to 1. Uh, Evans is another guy that I like a lot. His constant slice game could really give people problems. He should have a good match in the first round against Mackenzie McDonald, so that could be a bit of an issue. But he's facing off against McDonald and then probably Rusevori. Once again, the bottom is loaded, but you're having Krenjabusta as the favorite there. And I think that he's vulnerable. So I do think if you want to take some stabs at some decent uh, double-digit odds guys, I think the bottom half is probably your best bet. So give me Evans there at 14 to 1. So once again, I'm kind of all over the place, but to go through them once again, I'm going to take Tommy Paul at 14 to 1. I'm going to take Evans at 14 to 1 as well. And I will wrap it up with Hussor as my long shot at 30 to 1. Now, if you want to make a case for Rublev or Agut, or you want to pick somebody from the top half, you can. I'm not going to do it. I just think that there's no value on either guy, and you'll end up seeing a long shot against probably Rublev or Agut. But I do think for the value you're getting with those long shots, they're definitely the more attractive option. So that's going to wrap it up for the actual outrights on the Auckland and the Adelaide 2 tournament. But time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for the matches. Before I actually get into that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. At Underdog, the season never ends, and right now you can enter their weekly Battle Royale games or even draft your playoff best ball team. They have a ton of daily games for NBA and NHL. Plus, when you use promo code SGPN at underdogfantasy.com, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. It's Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Scaling Podcast. Just finished previewing the Auckland Tournament and the... Adelaide 2 tournament. Once again, we'll go through the outrights before we officially end the show in case you just want me to run it by. Run, you want me to run through it one more time. But uh, time to actually get into the matches. And for the lock for the show, I am going to go back to that Bonzi Cressy match that I alluded to before. And I will take Cressy on the money line at minus 145. At the end of the day, it's going to be the similar script or formula that we've used in shows past. We're going to fade the guy that had a serious run the weekend prior and Bonzi made the final in Pune. Now he did have a day off on Sunday, so it's not as drastic as if Djokovic or Korda were playing in this event, but still the point is he had a serious run and he ended up losing, but now he's facing off against a servant volley guy in Cressy, who is going to be difficult to play against in the fast surface of uh, fast hard courts of Australia. I just think Bonzi's going to be tired, and I think he might conserve some energy for the Australian Open. We see this all the time. Occasionally, mostly the last couple of months of 2022, we saw Felix and Rune just not give a damn about being fatigued because they were able to make it to finals all the time. Most guys are not like that. Bonzi made a final, which is rare for him, and now he has an immediate turnaround. He doesn't have to travel. Actually, no, he does have to travel because he was in India, and now he's traveling to Australia. So I do have to wonder if the extra hot weather might be a problem for him as well, which could you know, really just magnify the fatigue angle. But I'll take Cressy, who I think is good enough with the servant volley to win this match. It might not be easy. Might go to a couple breakers, but I think Bonds is going to be exhausted, and I think minus 145 is a good price. Now, moving on to the actual dog for this episode, I have a couple of options. Uh, do I want to go with an actual spread, or do I want to go with a total? Could take an even. I could take a sets play if I really want to expect a marathon here. But I think what I'm going to do here 
I think I'm going to take uh, what I want to do, actually. Sorry, I'm just thinking about this one. You know what? I am going to pick a marathon. Give me the draper Sonigo match to go three sets at plus 150. I really just see a marathon uh, between those two guys. Draper, I know, is a very solid player. However, he does occasionally have some moments in matches where he might struggle. And Sonigo is a similar way. Sonigo is a player who can be volatile at times, but we saw him win an ATP event last year. So we know that his overall skill set is definitely elite when he's on. I think you're going to see a competitive match. I just see both guys really just swinging. Uh, they ended up playing in Madrid last year. And, of course, that was Clay. Draper won handily. Does that matter? No. Different surface. And it's about a year ago. But I think that both guys will have their moments in this match. And I think you'll end up seeing a competitive match take place. Now, you saw Draper in Adelaide. He dominated Quan, And then he lost comfortably to Kakanov in the second round of Adelaide 1. As for Sonigo... He ended up retiring, but in the first match against in in Adelaide, but he did go to a breaker against Medvedev. So he gave Medvedev a serious run for his money, and I do think that's definitely a, a sign that Sonigo is really live to make this match interesting and fun, and I think you'll end up seeing a marathon. So as a result, I will go with the over two and a half sets of plus 150. Tell you what, though, the more that I actually look at that previous match against Medvedev, Sonigo plus 191. I don't I don't hate it. I, I think he's got a shot to potentially make this a serious war, but I'll bet on the war and I'll take plus 150. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock will be Cressy on the money line against Bonzi at minus 145. And we're going to take the over two and a half sets in the Draper Sonigo match at plus 150. And once again, for the outrights for the overall tournaments in Auckland. Going to take Nori at four to one, Isner at nine to one, Brooksby at eleven to one, and Wolf at thirty-three to one. And the outrights for Adelaide two, we're going to take Tommy Paul at fourteen to one. We're going to take Evans at fourteen to one, and we're going to take Husler at thirty to one. So we're really going for the underdogs there, or the long shots in Adelaide, which is a bit rare for us. Usually we have a favorite somewhere in there. I just don't see much value. But either way, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back once again later in the week to go through some mid-tournament breakdowns there with Auckland and Adelaide too. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.